Polk County Sheriff Brent Walk is joining us in studio today for a chat. For my father and co-host Terry Dryden, I'm Ben Dryden, and you're listening to a DrydenWire.com podcast. Quick programming note, next week we will welcome Sawyer County Judge John Yackel back to our studio for an extended conversation. But today we're chatting with Sheriff Walk, so let's get right to it. Sheriff, thank you so very much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Well, of course. Um, beautiful morning for a drive. The colors are peaked, I think, right now. It, it was absolutely beautiful driving up here. Uh, snow, I thought, was maybe coming. I don't think much, but probably just enough. You know, that's a good question right there. I, I should say so, right? Oh, go ahead. That's a good question that I was just going to ask. Okay. I'm prefacing it. Oh, are you? Well, yeah. go ahead, ask it. <laughs> um, is, when, how often do you check the weather when it comes to, even if it's just an inch? Is that something that you look at as a sheriff and go, well, that's just enough where the roads... Well, uh, Terry can attest to this. Those one-inch snowfalls are the worst. People don't, don't want to <laughs> slow down for that, and that's when everybody goes in the ditch. So I worry more about those than a foot of snow because a foot people know to stay in. Yeah. But I, I frequently check it. I have to call the county highway commissioner, and we, we usually communicate about 5 a.m. and discuss what we want to do because there's potential to close some of the county offices. Oh, so sure. they task myself and our county highway commissioner with that. Sure. Well, and right now... Uh or at least in the last couple of months, I think, there's been, an, 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 it seems like, a high number of fatalities already. So with the snow coming now, that's hopefully, hopefully everybody is safe. Because it's just been some sad news out of Polk County recently. Well, it, it has. And, and our community is suffering some great loss over there. We, we've had some really fine young people, unfortunately, taken um, yeah. from us. You know, it's, we have a rural area with highway speeds and unfortunately we have a high number of fatalities. Um, this one's really been tough cause we've lost a lot of young people in the last month. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think three now there was a double, uh, fatality where right. two, I think 16 year olds and then another, another situation I think was 17. <coughs> so that obviously there isn't any kind of fatality that is a, a good fatality. Um, no, but it, certainly from a community standpoint and you being in Polk County, um, does that have a bigger effect based because of their age? It absolutely does. And that is the worst call anybody can get is, mm. you know, uh, it doesn't matter who it is. It, 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 the fact is any loss of life is really tough to endure. But when it's our young people, that hits us even harder. And, you know, it's, it, it's really pulls our community together. You know, we're looking at, for example, the, the two young kids in Clayton that were taken from us, um, you know, you watch all the surrounding schools get kind of get behind that school and rally, and that's right. really nice to see. The fierce competition on the court, but the minute that's over, everybody gets together and they, they feel each other's loss. So sure. that's pretty special. And what kind of impact does that have on you? You have to be the, the sheriff. You're the one that's um, organizing things, the one that's investigating things, the one that's in charge. You're getting all the information, yet you're still a human being. Right. What kind of impact does that have, uh, if that is something you could speak to? Well, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, you know, that is the tough part of the job and there's no words you can say. There's nothing you can do that eases the pain of losing somebody like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we get through it. You know, when you go to a, a situation like that, you have a lot of tasks you have to do. So the yeah. job tasks kick in, but at the end of the day, that's one where you, you hug your kids a little bit tighter mm -hmm. and you, you know, you, you're thankful for what you have and then you feel just terrible for the loss that people are going through. Yeah. Dave, when you were uh, the sheriff, because you were sheriff in Washburn County for 28 years, were you the one that went out to uh, the families 
and notified them of a loss of a loved one? Years ago, we used to do that a lot. I mean, unfortunately, we had a lot of the deaths and fatalities in Washburn County, and that's the toughest part of the job. And I always tried to take somebody with me, um, either a chaplain or uh, one of the a female usually to help out with the moms and dads when you have to break the bad news because you know Reagan well when you pull into a driveway at two in the morning or when it's dark and they see the squad car and they see two law enforcement standing mm. there they they know they probably know what's already going to we're going to tell them but it still is such a shock to these mm. people it's just it's such a tragedy I, I hated to do that but it's part of the job and you have to do it and it's just unfortunate we lost a lot of them over the years. That's too bad. Yeah, it, it is sad. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, those are some of the worst days, but yet there's a sense of, you know, duty and honor to yeah. do that. And <laughs> it, it is heartbreaking, you know, but I, we use a chaplain as well, and that's been really good. Um, we've, we've, we do debriefs afterwards. You know, this is tough on firemen, paramedics, um, even the hospital staff that deals with this. This is really... Mm has a ripple effect in the whole community. Sure. And obviously the the, the family themselves, uh, obviously our heart goes out to them, our prayers, our thoughts, and, and nobody's going through what they're going through. And I, and I no. certainly understand that. Um, but I do think that at times that sometimes we forget that all the other people that are involved in that process. And then it's the question of where do they get help? Do they get help? I think when you were on here, I think it was uh, about six months ago, or earlier this year you were here, and I think we may have touched on that a little bit about um, law enforcement specifically we were discussing, and the mental health there, the, the the stresses, the pressures, the things that you see on a daily basis, then you have to just turn it off and go home. Absolutely, and we're not robots, we're people, and this is a job, and you know, we can put on a front that we're doing well, but you know, deep down, there's there's issues when you see things like this. Mm. So we're we pay close attention to it. We utilize our chaplain. We have peer support through our county. We have um, an employee assistance program, and you know, even on some of these last ones, our county mental health workers have reached out to us to say, hey, if anybody needs some extra time to come visit us or something, and there, there's no longer a stigma with that, nor should there be. The fact is, if if you're struggling through something like that, mm. you should seek some professional help. Sure. Do you find that now with the social media and, and everything going on, do you find sometimes that they know they know what happened before we ever get to the door? And that's unfortunate because those are not, you know, that's not a way to find out that you just lost a loved one is through social media. But it's unfortunate there are people out there that, well, get on Facebook immediately after they pass the accident and they recognize the vehicle. Or they rec You know, that's the unfortunate part is these poor folks are now on Facebook or on any kind of social media and they're realizing that something's wrong or something big time is wrong. And then all of a sudden we show up where law enforcement shows up at the door. That's got to be traumatic. Well, it is. And, you know, social media is a love hate. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it can be great. It can mm -hmm. be, you know, if you're yeah. looking for a bad guy, that word of mouth oh, getting sure. out there is in their connectivity of society yeah. is great. Yeah. But yeah, in a tragedy, when you want to be very guarded with sensitive mm -hmm. information, it really is unfortunate. And I've noticed some of the Facebook sites, um, you know, put disclaimers on there though. We're, yeah. we're understanding there's an accident, but please don't disclose information yeah. right now because, you know, we're still sorting it out. So we're getting there with it, but ultimately, you know, and that's beyond our control. We that's can, right. 
it's it's something that we have to deal with. You know, you have to assume everything you do now. There's a potential that somebody is recording you, and it will be sure. posted on social media. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep your professionalism at an all time high. Well, and that's actually one of the things um, uh, on Dreadwire. We we've always just kind of had this as our standard operating procedure, especially when it comes to fatality. Uh, we don't publish that unless law enforcement sends us the information. Or if they're not going to issue a press release, we right. call. And what do you want us to say? What can we say? We certainly don't want to either A, hurt an investigation, or B, share information that maybe you guys just don't want out yet for whatever reason. Um, and I think for a lot of places there, at least around here in terms of news outlets, I think that's just kind of the standard operating procedure. Uh, I know the uh, Polk County scanner uh, on Facebook, which is just strictly Facebook, I think, they will put a disclaimer in as well if they because they do a lot of, you know, they hear an accident or something and they'll post that. But then, like you said, they'll state, please do not put anything in there. And I know that we follow that stuff. Even if you um, put out a press release and there was a fatality and that you're not releasing the names at this time, uh, we monitor that actually pretty closely to make sure because usually you'll see the yeah. who was it? Who was it? And it's right. nope. So mm-hmm. we kind of monitor that and making sure that nobody puts it on there. But I think for our area anyway, and maybe it's a little different in Polk County, the news out there, it seems to be that, that they all pretty much stick to that same um, formula of we're not going to release it. Just because we know doesn't mean we're going to publish it. Do you find that to be true mostly in news outlets in Northwest Wisconsin? Yeah, we, you know, the way we do it when we have a fatality, we always release the, the basic facts of the accident and we, we hold back on names just to give those families, you know, you might have relatives out of state in, mm. in Social media now instantly connects you to the world. So um, we always wait. Ultimately, people will try to get that out there. I mean, it, it's it's the talk of the town, unfortunately. When it happens, it is the talk of the town. Yeah. I mean, we're small communities. When something like this happens, mm-hmm. it, it affects everybody. So um, it's hard to control. It's a love-hate thing for social media. Yeah. The comments you get are probably the worst part sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's okay if you use it to get your message out, but it's yeah. those those little jabs here and there yeah. that can be frustrating, but I get it. Everybody's entitled to an opinion. Yeah. Even if there's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, we're never wrong though. Uh, recently <laughs> you had, I don't know who put this video together, but it was, it was uh, exceptionally well done. Um, I think we published it. It looks like in August, August 23rd regarding Rose Marie Bly. Right. For those who don't know, what is this about? Well, 10 years ago in August, we had a missing person case uh, involving Rosemary Bly, and she has not been seen or heard from since. So at the 10-year anniversary, we wanted to do something to get people talking about this case again in hopes to gather some tips. And so we, you know, hired a, a company to help put the video together. And, you know, it was, it was. Uh, I think we got good results. We're currently investigating tips. I, I can't go into what the tips are, but... It has worked. We had people talking about the case, and I think that was our goal is to get mm-hmm. to get sure. this back to the forefront because, you know, 10 years is a long time, mm-hmm. and we forget. We we tend to move sure. beyond. We sure. look at the new story, yep. and we, we really want people um, to be aware that this is a mystery in our county, yeah. and we want it solved. We mm-hmm. have to solve it. Well, we'll put this back on our – we'll refresh it back to uh, our main page on our website. Um, after, after we're finished here, but it looks like just FYI, going back to kind of that Facebook love hate thing, looks like you've had over 120,000 views on that Facebook video. Right. And again, that's with our, with our data, we show about 160,000 views through our, our site alone. And, um, that was the goal. Yeah. I mean, how else do you reach that many people? So 
you know. I think, like I say, love, hate, we, you, you can really use it as a, as a good resource and a tool. Sure. So did, did, for, did National Center for Missing and Exploited help you with that as far as the video and the um, age, um, what do they call that when you... The age-enhanced photo. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, we, we had somebody else work with us okay. on the age-enhanced photo, and then we contracted with somebody locally for okay. the video production. And I have uh, one of the investigators who does some narrating, has a background um, in media. Nice. So nice. It was, he was a great resource. You should have him give us a call. <laughs> we, we I don't. I don't want to lose them though. That's the problem here. I got. I got to protect my employees. They're very That's valuable. Right. We yeah. can't. We can't afford to pay them anyway. So yeah. I think you're safe. Um, but for those who don't know the backstory, and I'm sure you can't get into some things, but just the actual backstory of um, of Rose Marie Bly. What is that story? Well, it's just it's really a missing person, and she was supposed to go see a cousin by Cushing, and was never seen. From that point forward, her car was located in Grantsburg and it's, she's vanished. So, hmm. um, it's one of those people want to know. Yeah. And how how old was deserve, she at the time? Uh, 20, I believe 21. Okay. Wow. And so, you know, it's just one of those things where who likes an unsolved mystery? Nobody. We, we want to know the answers. Yeah. We, her family's hurting. Her yeah. mom needs to know where her daughter is. I can't imagine living with that every day, that unknown. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure which is worse, actually, knowing um, if an individual has deceased. So getting that, as we were talking earlier, the police coming up at two in the morning that your child has you know, passed away or your child has disappeared. I don't know if one's better or not, I shouldn't say better, but which one has more of an impact. I don't know. I kind of almost feel like it's the uh, not knowing. That's got to be, or at least it's a unique uh, situation. Right. And you know, Terry, you know this because you worked through all this, but there was the very high profile case in Minnesota um, of a missing boy. And and that was a household name. That name was a household name. And and, it, and that case was finally brought to closure a few years ago. And yeah. um, like I say, that, that family never stopped. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's the heartache of this when you don't know. Mm-hmm. You can't move on. You can't move past it when yeah. you don't know. Yeah. So what kind of, uh, you've received some tips and again, I'm sure you can't get into a whole lot, but has this been, um, outside of just making sure people see what this, uh, what Rose might look like now, getting that name out there more, has any of this led to, uh, these tips led to, um, uh, I don't know what you would call it. Is it progress the investigation, I guess, or yeah. we're still looking into all of those tips. Well, we're looking into the tips and we're progressing as well. And, you know, there's a lot of legwork to do. There's a lot of interviews mm-hmm. to do and we're getting some new information and that's what, that's all we can ask for. And some information is good. Some information is yeah. bad in a case. You know, there's sometimes you get information that runs you 90 degrees this way and it sure. ends at a dead end. Mm-hmm. But yeah. nevertheless, that's our job to look into this. And I'm happy that we've generated tips because mm-hmm. after 10 years, those, those tips pretty much go away. Yeah. So this reinvigorates the case. This gets people thinking about it. And um, I was excited about it. I think it's, I think it's been a good yep. opportunity for us. Yep. I, and I had seen that you had done um, a press conference as well. Yes. Um, what was that like? I mean, you've been sheriff now for uh, 10 months. Uh, is this your first time doing a press conference or have you done, uh, have you done them before? Uh, that was probably my first one. How, what was that experience like? It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's one of the, tasks you take on as sheriff mm. you know yeah. um hollywood's not calling you know <laughs> sure. hollywood doesn't want me yeah. for any uh, <laughs> any acting role <laughs> no no <laughs> here are the facts that's it right and 
I was excited to get the, you know, we're close enough to the Metro that we get the big media outlets over there. Right. And so again, that grows that audience of people. Somebody over there may know something. Yeah. And so it's a good tool. And I thought it went really well. I've, I'm, I will say I'm never a hundred percent comfortable. Yeah. I don't know if you ever get a hundred percent comfortable in that role, but um, it's one of the things you do. So it was a good experience. Sure. Well, I think the, the, the comfort would come in only if you already knew the questions. Right. Right. It's the unknown. And are they trying to trap me? Are they trying to bait me? Are they trying to, and it's okay. If you just ask me the regular questions, I'll answer those. But I think that's the part that probably makes people uncomfortable is I don't know what you're going to ask. And what are you really trying to get? Oh man, I shouldn't say, if I say this, then they may think I mean this. And it's, ugh. I think for me, there's no way I could do that. Well, and and it's tough in an investigation because you know, Terry, there's Mm -hmm. so few details you want to release. Yeah. And, and, but they want to know every detail. So yeah, that is the challenge and you'd hate to compromise a case. And so it, it, we got through it. I think it Mm -hmm. went really well. I was, I was pleased with it and you know, we'll see until the next one, I guess. The tough tough ones is the woulda, shoulda, coulda, the speculation questions that I would never answer because obviously when you start speculating, then, then that leads to more speculative questions coming from the news media. And all I really tried to do is Try to, and I'm sure you do the same thing. All right, I got to make sure I don't spill the beans. You know, we want to say anything we don't want, and we I, I don't want to look stupid. <laughs> well, that's that's always good. Don't look <laughs> dumb. You don't want to look dumb. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> that was the first thing I always try to remember. You know? Yeah. So speaking of the fact you've been uh, the sheriff now for ten months, um, if you could go back right now, here's here's a here's a real deep question for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and tell Brent Walk. This uh, January 6th, one thing that Brent Walk, October 11th, uh, knows now that you could tell that the, the younger version of Brent Walk 10 months ago, um, before you took office, what would you have told yourself? What piece of advice would you have given? Well, that that is a tough question. You know, I got into this. I didn't really know. You, I don't think you ever know what to expect as a sheriff. There's not a book that says, here's your manual on being sheriff. And we've had a crazy year. We had three tornadoes. We got involved in housing that notorious person that was involved in the, the disappearance of kidnapping yeah. Jamie Claus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've, we've had all these traffic fatalities. Mm. Um, and I guess the advice is you, you just be prepared. You know, be prepared because it's, you never know from day to day what is going to happen. Expect the unexpected would be good advice. That's absolutely. You know. <laughs> I kind of feel like that was a, a good answer. Yeah. I mean, it was a good answer, I guess, but yeah. I was hoping for, yeah, don't talk to this person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First act, fire this person. Um. <laughs> Let's talk about district attorneys now for a while because obviously there's a lot of movement in district attorneys. Burnett well, the ADAs, I think, in ADAs Polk. is really the what? Sure. Uh, ADA. You're all square down there? Well, you know, I think there's, it's, it's no different than law enforcement right now. There is not a lot of candidates. Yeah. I think they struggle to find. Yeah, they do. People (laughs) just like we struggle to find people right now. It's the environment we're in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we're, I think we're set up. We, you know, it's my understanding we're going to be hiring some. Yeah. So ADAs, how many full-time ADAs did you get out of uh, the, the last legislative budget? They increased ours by one. Okay. Okay. So. And again, it's a little out of my wheelhouse. I, right, I right. you know, respect the office of the DA and, yeah. you know, they're moving 
they're moving forward and in, in trying to get full staff. What I meant was is filling the positions. I don't want to talk about the district attorney themselves or the ADAs, but they're you you're right. They're running through the same problem we are law enforcement is getting the qualified people to apply. And you never would think that yeah. we're have a shortage of lawyers. Yeah. Who would thought? With every yeah. joke there is about thought? lawyers. Yeah. You <laughs> never would think that. But no, you're absolutely right. And it's not just lawyers, but qualified lawyers. And the ones that maybe are qualified, they don't want to take an ADA position or a uh, DA position for various reasons. But uh, I think everyone is struggling uh, in our area. Yes. And if you look at it, if you're increasing ADAs, it still all goes to the judge. Yeah. How many and judges I, do you have? We have two circuit judges. Okay. And, you know, so if you increased by another ADA, you've yeah. increased more things Court going time. to the judge and filling sure. their calendar even mm. tighter. So it, it's a it's a really tough. I always say the DA's office is this funnel. This yeah. funnel from all of our work goes right down into mm. one office. And then they have to pick and choose and mm -hmm. fight their way through it. So it's mm. that's no easy task. Yeah. And I get why. In the legal world, it's in, and the pay isn't where it should be for ADAs. It's just not. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to entice a lot of the attorneys that. That's right. They increased, yeah, you're correct. They increased public defenders' salaries, though, did they not? Mm -hmm. Was this last time around? Mm -hmm. But they didn't do anything with ADAs or district attorneys, correct? I don't, I don't know on that, but I, I, I can tell you that ADAs, um, their wages are not great and it? yeah okay. public defender it, it, there's a shortage i think that's the reason sure. you got to pump that up a bit yeah and it, it's certainly not enticing people that don't live in our area to move here just for those so you really just have to hope that there's someone from the area who left got a law degree and decide oh there's an opening there now this is a great opportunity to move back home but that's uh, with the pay that they have that's 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 really the the biggest thing that would entice someone to take one of those jobs and to move here is if you grew up here. So is the eight district attorney's full staff then down there now? They're full staff? They got their ADA? Well, it's my understanding that... Do you know if I should say? Well, I don't. I don't. And I, can, right. and I can say I think one of our ADAs is going to help out with Burnett County. Oh, so sure. okay. it, it, they may be full staffed, and then now one's going to sure. step yeah. up there Everyone and help to, out. Yep, help out. And that is the spirit of the Northwoods up here. That's one thing I really do appreciate is how... Help each other. All these counties <laughs> help each other out. Yeah. You it's got a good to. relationship. And how's your staffing uh, at the at the sheriff's office? We're you know I'm knocking on wood right here, but mm -hmm. we're we're doing pretty well. Okay, we we're getting very aggressive on hiring so that we don't get caught. You know we do around the we do a lot of recruiting for the jail. We just we're in the process of hiring a dispatcher, and our uh, field services staff is full at this time. Now your dispatchers are they dispatch? Uh, jailers, or are they specifically dispatch? Specifically dispatch. Sure, sure. Jill still run their shop down there? Yes. Yeah, she does a good job. Yeah, I don't think anybody else knows who that is. Well, I just, it was a comment <laughs> between Brett and I. Also, Rob Drew, you know. You want oh, to, Rob. He's, yeah, Rob's he, still there? He, he's one of the hardest problems you got down there. <laughs> Rob's, a, we're, we're lucky to have both Rob and Jill. Yeah, they stole them from me, and that's what they did. <laughs> well, and it's got to that. We're, we're yeah. almost like it's, we're, uh, it's like yeah. the NFL draft yeah. here, we, you know, we... <laughs> We gotta, I, <laughs> if I ever text Rob or anything, I said, I still call him the traitor, you know, because he <laughs> left me. <laughs> well, was, and, and it's funny because we have hired some uh, jail staff yeah. from other counties yeah. and, and that creates some phone calls. <laughs> and I say, I'm not up there. Thank you know, a lot. Yeah. They called us. Yeah. We didn't yeah. call yeah. them. Well, Dad, you can't talk. You take How many have you taken from the Shelly uh, Police Department? A few. <laughs> you know, from all over. All over. Know. Sure, yeah. sure. We stole a few here and there, too. Yeah. So it all... It's it all got, comes it's out got, in the end. Yeah, it's competitive. It, <laughs> it is. It, when you find good people, you want to yeah. you want to get them yeah. and keep them happy. Yeah. yeah. And that I don't think is exclusive to 
law enforcement. That's true in any business or any organization. So what else is new? What else is going on in Polk County? Well, we have the usual plagues, methamphetamine. And I actually went on national public radio, uh, Wisconsin public radio on September 30th. No kidding. And got to do a little 15 minute uh, interview about methamphetamine in the, in the Northwoods up here. Mm -hmm. And we're always one of the counties that gets labeled as a high meth county. That's what I hear. I don't know if it's true, but that's what I hear. Well, a lot of it is the geographic location. We're close to that Twin Cities. We're, we're a border county. Yeah. And, you know, we hit it pretty aggressively. We go after it. We've added a canine. So you, when you add a canine, you, you know, you are making more contacts and those, those officers get out there and try to hit it and make a case every night. So then your numbers look, oh my gosh, they're off the charts, but it's just, we work hard to try to make meth cases and we're also doing some things on the backside of this. We're, we're getting active with our CJCC. We've added jail programs, a jail programs position mm-hmm. so that, oh, that we wow. can, we can start to try to give people some a roadmap when they get out of jail to not have to come back. Mm. And that's something we've never been able to do before just with resources. Mm. So now we have someone dedicated in our jail to the programs and then our CJCC uh, is operational of the treatment court. They're looking at expanding to an OWI court and there's talk, there's, an, there's, you know, we're going to explore if there's a need, but possibly a veterans court, but you know, okay, that's, so for, for those who don't know, um, an OWI court, and a veterans court. I'm literally thinking there is a separate court just for this. I'm sure that's not it. Uh, what does that mean? Well, like for example, we run drug court, treatment court. Mm-hmm. So if you qualify for that, it's an opportunity to go through a specialized program um, with oversight of the courts, and then it's you know it's a plan to get you on sobriety path. And and there's a it. carrot there though. There's a carrot though, right? You have to do this, and we're gonna we're gonna reduce your Right. You know, so there, there's a carrot hanging out over them. So to make them to help, help themselves, I should say. Right. And ours has been very successful. You know, we're, we're hoping that we continue, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to always get people into it because you have to be nonviolent. And as we know with methamphetamine, mm-hmm. that breeds violence. So we struggle sometimes to fill our treatment cord up, but we work very hard. And if we can get people off this and back mm-hmm. into normal society, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Veterans Court, there's uh, how many counties have that's kind of yeah, a, what is that? Well, I, I know what it is, but I'm going well, to let I'm Brent what I'm, it is. I'm going to let him explain <laughs> it, but it's not that prevalent up here, is it? Well, and that's what we have to explore if there is a need for it. And right. we've been approached to see if there is a need, so we're going to start collecting the data to see just how many inmates are veterans in our jail. And as you know, uh, we talked about the stress on a person and soldiers with all these deployments and you know, they can have a lot of PTSD issues and we want to make sure that some of that isn't the reason for the behavior. We so see. that's, that's the idea behind veterans court. The idea is to say that they're a special group of people and sometimes they need a little bit special treatment. Okay. And, um, if there's a need for it, we're going to look at it. And that's, what's neat about CJCC. We use evidence-based practices. Mm. We try to have the data su- support if it's worthwhile or not. Sure. So, and we have access to a lot of good data in law enforcement. We're a number of people we can collect numbers mm-hmm. on a lot of things. Well, uh, last week we had uh, Washington County's newly appointed district attorney, Aaron uh, Marco, and that was the first time I'd heard about evidence-based. Uh, it, I'd never heard it, and it was interesting when he kind of went through that. So how long have you been uh, using that model? 
has it been since you've been there and it was there kind of set in place before you were there and you're continuing it or is that something you're just recently starting to look at? I think it's more recently looking at it. Our county went through a transition with CJCC and that's, um, it's interesting because it was a nonprofit group and then this meth epidemic in our county um, motivated our county board to say we want to get aggressive on meth and they took over by resolution to take on the CJCC and make it a county entity mm. and then they funded a couple positions to run it. Nice. And with that, that's where the evidence-based train of thought comes. So it's it's kind of new for us mm -hmm. and we're excited about it. So uh, that's incredible that the county board uh, did that. Um, so it sounds like your relationship with the county board is good. Yes. So I think that's something that a lot of people may not realize is the relationship between the sheriff and the county board. Dad had a, well, not so super great one because dad's dad and then he's just the way he is and... <laughs> Just, yeah, well, just, just saying, there you go. Well, just whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's important and it's vital to have those those conversations. So it's going well with the county board in your 10 months? Yes. And, and you know, with, with any board, there's a lot of personalities. Mm. Um, I respect what they do. You know, I sat on the city council in St. Croix Falls prior to becoming oh. sheriff. And so that gave me kind of an appreciation, I think, for what they do and what their role is. Mm. So I have a good working relationship. I don't think you'll ever agree on everything. Mm. And we have a lot of controversies in Polk County. You know, there's the the hog farm issue. Um, oh, yeah. There's trail use issues going on. And so a lot of that, I, you know, as sheriff, I, I'm a peacekeeper, okay? You guys do your thing. I think sometimes where the, the battles come with county boards is for budget issues and, and things like that. But um, we're doing well. I saw the I saw a couple of the no hog farm signs out there in people's yards. So apparently it's a pretty hot issue. Yeah, it's the it's the talk of the north is right it? now. And for those who don't know, what is that? It's the large, um, it's the large kind of uh, giant giant hog farms where they sure, have sure. over a thousand animals. And what's the issue that they're having? I think we've posted a few things on this, yeah. or they were submitted, but I, I really didn't read them all the way through to understand it. So, what is the what are the both sides? What are the what's the issues? Well, I think you have you have people that are against it because of environmental concerns. So they, they don't want those hog farms. They're just too big. Is that what they're saying? That we need right. to have a, what, a, a cap on how many you can have? You, you don't want to, you don't want to be downwind either. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, one of, that's probably one of the biggest concerns right there. They don't want to I don't. Smell. I really don't think so, actually. Yeah, I do. Well, there, there are people on both sides of the issue. There are people mm -hmm. that say it's already regulated, and then there are people that say we don't want this in our backyard, mm -hmm. that I moved to the North Woods to not yeah, have sure. a giant hog farm next mm -hmm. to me. So... Again, I'm the sheriff. Yeah, right. From I get to standpoint. skirt. I get to skirt that issue and yes. say, I'm a peacekeeper. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, does this have any impact at all on the sheriff's office? Like phone calls in reporting something. Does this have any impact on the sheriff's office specifically? It really doesn't. Okay. You know, there's a lot of interest now at county board meetings, <laughs> and can imagine the next one is is going to be held at Unity School Tuesday, because there is usually a lot of turnout now, and you know, it's most of the time people really don't care a whole lot about what's going on in their community until there's a hot button issue. And this is obviously a hot button issue for people. So wow. that brings a lot of people in. Some of the other issues we have is we always have the the ATV snowmobile versus quiet sports and in trail issues. And it's, there's only so many trails and people have to kind of fight over them. Mm. And again, as sheriff, don't really have to get involved in that. Mm -hmm. You know, we are, we're peacekeepers. Yeah. Sure. Uh, quiet sports. Uh, you know, walking, hiking, skiing. skiing. Walking isn't a sport, is it? Well, it's an no, activity. Uh, it's, it's an, an activity. activity. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
horse riding. That's another horse one. riding. Yes, yeah. and they and they are kind of a horse group trails. that yeah. The sometimes they get scorned on too for being horse people, and they don't they're not wanted on certain trails. Huh. So, didn't, didn't are they allowed on ATV trails? On certain ones, we have some multi-use trails, and that really is the the trend is to try to get multi-use trails. But sure. that in itself creates problems because. You know, sometimes, sometimes people don't want to share the... Yeah. So it just creates some conflict. Conflict's good sometimes. Yeah, no. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what else is new? Well, you know, we, uh, we're we just getting by. You know, we're doing budget right now. How's that going? Well, it's... Uh, <laughs> we're getting there. You know, there isn't a money tree. There isn't a pot sure. of gold. Yeah. It's You can only do so much. Yep. And personnel is your largest cost. So, you know, we do with it the best you, we can. Are you held to zero? Well, percent increase. Well, again, that's that's a different way. We we see that that isn't always a truthful way of looking at the budget. No. So we don't do it that way. You know, we budget for what we need. We're trying to get where in the past, you know, we've never budgeted for the future to say, well, we know in five years these radios are going to be junk. So let's no. start planning for that. We have a lot of things that are going to end of life, and that's concerning. You know, we have we have computer systems that after the first year will be unsupported and subject to, you know, hacking and everything else. So right. those are a crisis situation we have to make sure we're on top of. But we want to look further down the road sure. to say we need a capital plan to replace this stuff. And we've mm. never really done that. So, so it's been more reactive yeah. or just yes. right now present instead of proactive and looking at the future. We right. need to start planning for those things. Well, well, the reason I said zero, there are some county boards that prior to you working on your budgets, they require you to be remain 0%. And that, that's what I was referring to. Not so much can you stay at zero, but some county boards say, okay, all departments, you have to be coming zero, the same as the 2019 budget, you've got to come in in 2020 at 0%. And if you go over, then you're going to have a lot of justifications and meetings and hearings and how you're going to fund it. Right. That's That's, that's what I was talking about. Sure. And the, and the problem with that is just the wages in, in itself. Yeah. It's impossible to do that. Well, they, they eliminate the personnel part of it. They, they take that out of the equation, sure. but everything else has to remain zero. Right. And, and when, we, when we look at our budget, you don't have a lot to work with because no. personnel is the majority of your costs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have a few things we need. We're working hard to get those things. Mm -hmm. And generally it's, it's going well. What are those things, by the way? The, the, the needs. Technology. Technology is so expensive and it's sure. always a challenge yeah. and we need some radio upgrades. We need some patrol rifles, some of those things. Mm. You know, I, I, I have a patrol rifle. I always, I was issued it in 1998 and it's still, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been in the, it's been in the trunk of the car and minus 30 and 130 degrees. Right. So I don't know anything about guns. Is so that like is a that... flintlock? Is it the flintlock one? <laughs> that you... <laughs> <laughs> Those are the ones you had, Terry. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's right. still a muzzle loader. It's yeah. about time for an upgrade. Yeah. Uh, so guns just go bad just from sitting? Well, it's, it's a system that, you know, we train with them a lot and they've had a lot of rounds through them and Again, they're getting to what I would deem end of life. And what actually, um, just out of curiosity, how do you know when your gun is coming to an end of life? Is it just not shooting straight? That's the only thing I think of. <laughs> well, we start seeing some Or do you failures. just blame it on that? Well, yep, time for new guns. I'm not hitting the target anymore. Well, we see, we see in training, <laughs> in training, some of them start to fail. Yeah. And, you know, you can, huh. you can replace some parts on them. But ultimately, when you look at having that rifle for over 20 years exposed to the environmental conditions, mm -hmm. I mean, these are not... 
oiled down and kept in a gun safe like our mm. personal guns usually are. I mean, I look at my deer rifle, that thing gets oiled down after I use it and put in the gun safe and you bring it out a year later. No, these are these are banging around in the cars. We've had a few rifles that have even been in traffic crashes, you know, because the squads had a crash. Oh, and right. So ultimately it's a tool and it's no different than your police radio. It's no different than the other tools you have. They don't last forever. Mm. So, Deterioration in the 30 below, and then all of a sudden you got 120 in the summer, and you, and your car sets for three days off or whatever when you're off duty. And if you don't take them and remove them from the squad, those that, that's hard on any piece of metal. It is, absolutely. See, I just wouldn't think it would be. But that's just one thing. You know, we have... You know, we have things that need replacing. Yeah. You know, it's things don't last forever. And that's what we're trying to get beyond is that, look, get past that mentality that, well, we bought it once. You yeah. know, th this is going to need replacement in 10 years. This is going to need replacement in five. And to have a plan, that's kind of the goal. Okay. How's the jail population doing? Are, are you still housing for other folks? We are. Our population's a little down right now. Um, that's I, good. And yeah, you, you think, well, that's <laughs> yeah. good. But um, we could we could take on some more inmates. And we do make some revenue off that. So yeah, sure. that's a benefit. I, I said this before. We're very fortunate. The people that built our justice center had a forward thinking yeah, and planned, and planned for the future. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can't complain. I sure yeah. if I handle, <laughs> I, I was handed a pretty well, yeah. Yeah. smooth sailing ship. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, where is uh, Pete? Uh, Pete Johnson. I, I know that he went to the, I think, Dad, what'd you call it, the dark side? Yeah, I think something. he did. He went, yeah, he went, went over to uh, 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 a lawyer. A lawyer now. <laughs> uh, if you do you hear from him, do you uh, seek counsel from him? Have you guys talked since you've been the sheriff? Well, I I see Pete from time to time. We live in a small community. Oh, and, sure. And it's always huh. it's always nice to see him. And yeah. um, I just hosted in August a retiree shoot where we have all the retirees come in and and qualify with their handguns, and that entitles them to you know carry concealed um, guns. So. Sure. It, it's good to see all the retirees. And it's probably good for just a good laugh. <laughs> well, it's... See how, how bad their eyes have gotten. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, Pete's doing really well. Yeah. It's He's fun to talk with. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's fun to do that retiree shoot. That was my first time mm. getting together with that group of guys and girls. And it, it's just fun to nice. fun to see them. So um, when it comes to stuff that's fun, because we're, as we, I think we started at the very beginning of this talking about some some fatalities and the impacts that that has, what do you do to kind of punch out and, you know, because as a sheriff, you don't really get to punch out, but you need a mental break. You need to be able to get away from something. What is it you do? What hobbies? What is your kind of your go-to thing? Well, I, I'm one of these hobby guys and I'm lucky because I have a lot of hobbies. Oh, nice. <laughs> and, but my, I'm an outdoors person and I love, you know, getting outside. I, I tried that once. I didn't, I didn't like it. I like the indoors. <laughs> no, I, I spend a lot of time in the woods if I get a chance. And, you know, I'm I'm a busy guy with my family. Sure. We are still playing baseball. We go on Sundays over to Minnesota and play fall ball Aww. with my one son. So, you know, I just, I do a lot of family things. And I, I guess I'm lucky. I don't, I don't have to come home to that quiet room and just sit there and think about things. I'm I live in a house with chaos. I have three boys. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and two are in high school and one is in elementary school. So, I mean, I'm busy. My wife and I, we, there's not too many times you just come home and sit and get to stare at the walls. <laughs> <laughs> there's always something. That's probably to do. a good thing. Yeah, though, I too. think it might be. Yeah. It is. But like I say, for me to, to go out and do a little grouse hunting or some duck hunting, that's, I love that. That really recharges me. 
So for the next, for coming up on the winter now, or technically I suppose fall, but um, to kind of wrap up your first year as sheriff, are there anything that you that kind of set out to do or had some ideas in the first month or two months when you took sheriff earlier this year or when you were elected that you were kind of looking to see if you could get accomplished before your end of your first year? Is there anything that you're still kind of out there on the plate that you want to kind of wrap up in the next few months? There's a few things. You know, I I had a plan. You know, I wanted to do um, quite a few things this first year. And, you know, some of it was replacing some of the equipment and working with our staff to, to get some training opportunities. And again, as sheriff, you know, it's easy to out-conference yourself. You could go to a conference every week if you wanted to mm -hmm. as sheriff. So I've tried not to do that. I've tried to be around and be involved. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of day to day still, you know, I'm still learning this job. I mean, a, 10 months is nothing, you know, and then we've had a busy 10 months. So there's always things we can do and always things we're working on, but, um, I, I'm happy with how things have went so far and hopefully we continue to go that direction. Okay. Is there anything else that you wanted to kind of touch on that uh, maybe we did get an opportunity to? Well, we could talk about mental health. That's another okay, issue. Good. Excellent. That is another issue. Real that, popular right now. Well, and it always has been in, in, in one of my frustrations um, is just the lack of local beds for people in crisis. And that is a constant battle. Um, we had some money earmarked to come up to this area and the governor cut it out. And that's frustrating. Well, I don't I, think he cut it out. I think he... Well, the first time he did. Oh, right, right. right. First time he vetoed it. Yep. And then apparently... Gave that to Mendota. For, uh, somewhere down south. Yeah. <laughs> but my point is, this is a need for our communities, yeah. and we can't ignore it. We have to come up with solutions. And I'm a big advocate for that. I mean, right now we're going through a season change. Terry, you can uh, remember these days. Yep. Change of the seasons is really tough on people. Yeah. People go through the blues, you know, and, and oh. there's a lot of mental health cases. Oh. Suicidals. Yes. A lot of those especially around the holidays and this. Right, season, but the change of the seasons. seasons, I've never heard that before. It, yeah. really, it really is. Uh, change of the season is tough on people. I think they just, you know, it's another it's another milestone, and sometimes you, that's that's hard to deal with a milestone So like typically that. that you're just talking probably spring and fall, right? Not probably a fall to winter or a spring to summer? I, I personally think the worst is that winter to spring. That's a tough. That really? That would April be, is a tough. April that. is a tough mental health month. We've had some really bad issues. Why do you think? Again, if if I was a doctor, um, I would uh, be on an island celebrating somewhere all the money I have. But <laughs> as a cop, I don't I don't know. But I can say that my theory on it is just people endure that hard winter and they think, well, when spring gets here, everything's going to be better. And then spring gets here and it's not. Mm. And it's a reality that things aren't going well and they start feeling down and depressed. And then you have Easter right around that time and holidays are one of the catalysts that are tough for mental health. Mm. So I, I'm no expert. I just see a lot of it. I've had experience and April's always been a tough mental health month, but all the changing of the seasons create that. That's interesting. And I will say we have great local resources for people to have follow-up appointments and do all the the, you know, get medicated and, and get their life back. And it's that when they're in crisis, when they want to harm themselves, that's where we struggle. Um, all too often we have to go to Winnebago, which is a five hour one way trip. And I feel like we're taking our citizens and putting them out on an Island mm. and that's not helping them. 
That's no. five hours, six hours in a squad car in the back seat is not helping your mental health people. And plus, no, I think uh, maybe just knowing that you're so far yeah, away from yeah. uh, most likely people that you know or loved ones in your area. Well, what right. ha- excuse me, what happened to this last thing they were talking about? There was a, a, a bill which the Republicans put forward uh, that they were talking about increasing the beds in Eau Claire and not not spending the money for a closer facility for us up here, for instance, which would be very expensive because you don't have the doctors. But down in Eau Claire, weren't they talking about increasing the bed space? Mm-hmm. Well, in that was in the budget that was passed to add 22 beds, Correct. I believe. And then that was vetoed. Vetoed, so but then I there was another move. Yeah, there's an effort out there to get it going. Okay. But, you know, the wheels of this turn slowly. Oh, absolutely. And in the meantime, we're still in that holding pattern, scratching our heads. Where, where do we take these people? And I know, I think in the last quarter, we had five that we had to take to Winnebago. Yeah. And another agency had four in our county. Um, and it's too, that's too many. If we, if we have to take one that far away, we've failed. And it's especially hard for me because 45 minutes away, I have big time hospitals in Minneapolis. Minneapolis, Mm. You can't cross over. No. So that's ridiculous. It really creates a frustration for law enforcement. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to continue to cry and whine about it because we want our citizens to have that resource to help them. Have you talked to, uh, your area legislators? I have. And has it been received well? Yes. Oh, good. Everybody knows what the sure, problem yeah, is. Yeah, because this is not a Republican. Yeah. It's not a Democrat thing. No. Uh, when bills get passed or if they don't or if they shift money, maybe in Madison that might be. Um, you'd like to think not. But locally, there's no way this can be a, politi- a, a partisan thing. No, people want people want to fix this. It's just, yeah. it's tough to fix. It's like anything. It takes money. A lot of money. Yeah. And it takes, you know, it takes dedicated people in the mental health world to, you know, I, I think there's even a, a little bit of a shortage like, in law enforcement, there's likely a shortage of mental health professionals. Mm. Well, I think also there could be an issue of explaining it to uh, average Joe and Jane. In your profession, of course, it's a duh, legislators, duh. <laughs> uh, a lot of people that are involved in the system, it's it's very obvious to them. But I think maybe it's not getting explained very well to uh, just your average citizen uh, who works at your you know, local farm. Or your holiday station going, one, I don't care about this stuff. Why would I want to know? Maybe we're just not really doing a good enough job to kind of lay it all out. This is what this is about, and this is how it impacts you. Right, and I I can go back when I was in the police academy in 1994, okay? And they talked about this Chapter 51, and I said, well, what is that? that? How often can that happen? That's once in a career. And uh, ultimately, it's every week. And, And we have just about every day. We get welfare checks and, and people that are potentially threatening to harm themselves mm-hmm. and they're dangerous calls and they're stressful. And then ultimately, you know, when you get one, this could be a 12 hour, 14 hour deal. And that, that just drains your resources. Mm. So, but ultimately what bothers me most about it is I think we're letting our citizens down. We know that this is a problem. We got to find help for them. Mm. But the you talked about the five-hour time. That doesn't include the time that they have to be at the emergency room, a local emergency room, to be to be medically cleared for the facility to accept them. And we find, at least around here, in my in my history, is that it took forever at a local hospital to get the mental health person that we that is going to be moved to Mendota or Eau Claire. It takes hours sometimes at the local hospital to get them cleared to go. It does. And, and they run a lot of tests oh. on the people. Mm-hmm. And again, Terry, somebody who's in crisis, they're <sighs> not a nice, they're not yes people. Right. 
they're struggling. And so um, they want they want these really stable, nice people before they go to that facility, and that's just not the case. We've had them do CT scans. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we asked then um, Brad Schimmel, the, uh, the, um, at the AG Former. many years ago, mm-hmm. that if he would try to help us, the law enforcement, to work with the medical community, come up with a standardized mental health clearance, if you were to call it that, uh, clearance to get it. So everybody does the same. But you go to different hospitals, they all do something different. Mm. And it could take hours and hours. And we have cops, sometimes two cops sitting there for three or four hours in an emergency room before we can even get them in a squat car. Mm. Right. Now, that That is not helping these people. No, that that's the thing. You have somebody who's experiencing probably the worst day of their life. And then now... <laughs> We play this little game mm. where, hey, we're going to take you to this hospital. You're going to sit here two and three hours. And then who knows where we're going to end up going. It can be Ashland. It can be La Crosse. It can be Eau Claire. Uh, and, and the final place when everything else fails is Winnebago. Mm. And like I say, now you have a deputy that has a 10-hour round trip. So if he's at the end of the shift and he catches this, I mean, we've had to have him go over there and get a hotel room after they've dropped off the person and then sleep because we didn't feel it was safe for them to even drive back. They've been working, you know, 18 hours straight. Whoa. So it's a problem. The state knows it's a problem. And I and I really wish we could get a quick fix for this. Mm. I do understand, though, too, that hospitals have a certain amount of responsibility when they have a patient, too. I get that. You yes. know, they have a certain mm. protocol they have to follow. Right. If the guy says, I fell down and hit my head, okay, now we got to look at that. You know, I mean, I get that, but there's got to be a way to streamline this process because we're not helping the poor soul that's sitting there in a chair in a waiting room for somebody to do a test on. Well, right. And we're, we're letting these people down. That's what, that's what bothers me. Um, as when I started, of course, Cumberland was a a place that we frequently weren't. We always went to Cumberland. And as a, as a young officer, I was like, oh, I have to drive 45 minutes (laughs) to Cumberland. I would love to only have to drive 45 minutes to Cumberland now. I remember those days when I did, well, it was a quick zip. Shell Lake to Uh Cumberland. We were out of there in no time, you know, but, uh, but that's not going to happen. And then they close and then Eau Claire gets full all the time. Right. And then you're going to La Crosse, or you're going to Mendota, or yeah, you're going Min- to Winnebago. Mendota stopped taking people. Yeah, they so stopped taking those. Win- so. It's Winnebago. Yeah, I didn't know Mendota stopped taking people. Right. Yeah, they they have their beds are filled with the people that are sentenced there, and it takes sometimes a year to get them in there. We'll hold them in a county jail for nine to twelve months. How, how often do you have people that were? Um, Go to Eau Claire, that you can get someone in Eau Claire. That's typically our best case scenario now. So well, I, I want to back up. Actually, okay. I am fortunate. We have Amory Behavioral Health now in oh, the city of Amory. That's correct. Okay. And they have 10 beds, but they're they're usually full. Because, again, there is a demand for this. This is a... Sure. You don't have to look far to see someone who's affected by mental health. There's a lot of families that have this. It's not, it's not abnormal. I mean, we see a lot of mental health mm. issues. So I'm lucky, Amory... Once in a while has an opening, and then it's <laughs> the next closest is it's celebrate celebration time. But Eau Claire would be the next, the next closest. And, and then, so uh, I know you. Uh, I'm not going to hold you to this number, but uh, out of ten, how many out of ten typically would you be able to say can go to Amory? Maybe two, and then Eau Claire with those remaining eight. So after you that. Uh, three more, maybe. <laughs> I would say it's 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 a split. About half the time we have to go to Winnebago. Okay. Half the time there's a closer placement. Okay. And you know what? It, it just 
it's just a source of frustration. Sure. Well, and I think the other component is that this isn't just, I mean, Amory obviously is in Polk County, but Burnett's also trying to get people into Eau Claire. Washburn is trying to get people in Eau Claire. Rusk, Sawyer is trying to get people in Eau Claire. So even if you just look at Polk County specifically, let's say it is uh, 40% or so you end up taking to Winnebago. That's probably going to be the same number, if not higher, because a lot of people don't have an Amory, for example. You're going to have that same number, if not higher, in all the other counties. And being just kind of this northwest Wisconsin, one big community, that is a lot of resources. And also, like, Dad, you were talking about uh, the individual that's actually being a part of this. Right. That's who I think we're really letting down. Absolutely. And, you know, here's one thing that has changed from the start of my career until now uh-huh. is there's a lot of local resources that can avoid an inpatient bed that we can say we'll set up a safety plan. We'll have somebody stay with the person. We'll ensure they don't have access to weapons. Um, we'll get them to a, uh, a family friend house, whatever, where they, they, where they feel safe and there's somebody with them that can call us again if there's a problem. So that was never done before. As you know, Terry, back in the yep. day, if someone even mentioned hurting themselves, we just took them right to Cumberland. Zip. You were there. <laughs> and we're learning now a lot of that could have been avoided. And so for someone to actually have to go now to Winnebago or to Eau Claire, it's, it's a legitimate case. They've been evaluated by a crisis. crisis worker. They have been, every option has been exhausted. And the only way to keep that person safe is to put them in an inpatient bed. In the past, we took everybody to an inpatient bed. So we do a much better job now of screening and getting the ones that really just are absolutely in need of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have great workers locally that that come out and do these evaluations. And that's time consuming, but I don't so much worry about that. It, it's about helping these people. It's about getting them care. So if we can get the care they need locally, that's great. But ultimately, there's a few people that they're, they have to go. They're in that much of a crisis. And... Those are the ones that we're letting down. Mm. Well, we have high hopes. We really do. We hope that I, I <clears> this is going to get addressed. I, and like you were saying, everybody knows this already. In terms of uh, legislators, they realize there's the issue. Now it's just yeah. how do we get that done? Right. And I'm confident. I think, you know, people are working towards this goal. Yeah. And, and getting it out there and talking about this and letting the average person know that this is a problem. Yeah. Um, that puts pressure on the legislators too. Well, that's good sometimes, I think. Well, sometimes the squeaky wheel, you know, gets the yeah, grease, you know, absolutely. you keep hollering sooner or later, something's going to happen. <laughs> uh, well, Sheriff, thank you so much for taking the time to come on over. Um, plans this weekend? Well, we well, are, <laughs> well, you know, I'll try a little bit, but um, mm. we have a fundraiser for Deputy Mike Severson scholarship. Oh, cool. um, and yeah. it's a banquet. It's a banquet thing, a fundraiser banquet. I'm going to sure. attend that. Uh, the Milltown Fire Department has their taco feed, and tacos is that is my my favorite food is tacos. <laughs> what? Yeah, I've never heard anyone say that before. Yeah, in fact, my family laughs because if I if it's a birthday and they'll say, "What do you want for your birthday meal?" Ta- tacos. So Milltown Fire's having their taco oh. feed Saturday, so I'm well, def- you'll be in heaven. I am then, definitely you? going to the taco feed. <laughs> And then, of course, baseball again on Sunday. Mm. So weather permitting, I mean, who knows? We might be having yeah. a foot of snow or we yeah. might be having rain. It's hard to say. But yeah. my weekends are always busy. I don't I don't have a lot of downtime. Good. And plus calls to places if there's things that are happening. You kind of throw that in there and you never really know when that's going to happen. But Yeah, I, w- I was going to ask, Terry, how did that work before you had cell phones for, for being a sheriff? You must have not ever wanted Beeper. to be away a, from a phone. There's a pager. Pager. Yeah, we pager. used pagers oh, back in those days. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, usually yeah. every almost every Sunday at church. Beep, beep, beep. Pastor Gorman <laughs> is talking all of a sudden. It goes off, and Dad gets up and leaves. And then usually we all have to get up and leave because it's <laughs> your right home. It's our right home. <laughs> I don't know how many sermons we missed because yeah. Dad got paged, and we all had to leave. Yeah, that was the pager. The pagers were in then, but yeah. then that kind of went away. Cell phones are the it. Yeah. You know, oh, right. And it's, trouble it's so that nice. Is, the trouble with that is, the reason I hated cell phones, you never get away. Yeah, right. You never get away. When I'm on vacation, they were calling me. Out yep. in Arizona, I got a phone call because there's something happened at the office. Yeah. You know? So it's, but it's part of the job. We knew that going in, didn't we? I did. And, know, and that's, that's the unique part of it. But you think back 50 years ago, if you're the sheriff, I mean, you, you would have never wanted to leave a landline. You would feel like you're nope. under house arrest, sure. right? Sure. So, I mean, I'm lucky I have a cell phone. I can yep. go do a lot of things. If they need me, they'll call me and right. I'm never that far away. So right. there is some benefit to that. Yes. Having a cell phone. Yeah. I think about that. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 40s, and I can't remember, you know, growing up, we didn't have cell phones either. Right. Um, so I was trying to, the other day, I was trying to think back that, how, how did I get a hold of my friends? Like, when yeah. I go somewhere and they're not there, what did I do? I don't remember. Did I just wait? We're so you, connected now. It's yeah. so, people can't grasp you what went that's over, like. Like, I grew up without them, and so yeah. did you guys, and I can't remember what it was actually like. You went over to their house and had a you, personal yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, we used Where to, were you? We yeah. used to drive around, drive around in squad cars looking for payphones yes. to call nine one one. I remember to that. call dispatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. payphones. Well, you don't see payphones, and that's a thing of the past. Yeah. People yeah. say a payphone. What is that? Well, and huh. the computers in the car now. You never have to use a radio hardly anymore. I mean, it's good that you have. You got to use them, but with those computers, you talk back and forth with the next yeah. Three, yeah. deputy three counties over. Yeah, yeah. no need for a notepad nope. and pen nope. in there writing nope. down all these details. And nope. it's it's all right in front of you. All you do wow. is you click on the thing and you see everything that's going on. The dispatcher talk to him. It's a, absolutely saves a lot. Of, it's a very safety factor. It's you know yes. provides for officer safety and speed and. Saves on the airtime, which the social media people listen to all the time, and sometimes you don't want them to know it. Right. And so. it also costs a lot of money. Oh. That's the trouble. Technology Absolutely. is great, but it's so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Before you just had to budget like some quarters for the payphone. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we would just dial 911. That was free. Well, we only gave oh, them right, a yeah. No, it's January 1st. We gave them a roll of quarters that we got to last you all year. <laughs> <laughs> Simpler time. <laughs> That it was. I loved it. Well, thank you again, uh, Brent. Look forward to hopefully in the spring having you back again and kind of giving the update on things. And ideally, hopefully we'll be talking about some options that are being discussed for uh, some mental health, either facilities or some more funding in our area, because that's something that we definitely are kind of keeping our eye on. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Thanks, and Brent. thanks, everyone, for listening. And make sure you join us next week as we will welcome Sawyer County Judge John Yackel to our studio for an extended conversation. Until then, be safe, make good choices, and have a blessed day.